Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Starting a series today called Move Again. Would you say it with me? Move Again. One more time, Move Again. Again, you know, the word again means that we want to see something that we've seen before happening now. And uh, before the church this morning, I gave a few examples to, to some of our people this morning about things that we want to see happen again. You know, maybe uh, if you're a little bit older, you want to see, you would love to see your youth again. Anyone like that? Uh, maybe uh, you would love to see, if you're married, you'd love to see the fire and the passion again. All the guys are like, yes. And I mean, fire and passion for us means one thing. But, you know, anyway, we, um, um, maybe if you, you know, your body's getting a little bit old, you'd love to see your health again. Uh, there's all these things that we'd love to see again. Maybe if you've got children and they've grown up and you, you look, open up the photo album, you would love to see your children young again. Oh, no one said anything. No one went to that place. Wow. Okay. I get it. I get it. If you know, you know. Uh, but, you know, we want to see things again. Well, this series is less about those things. That's not bad, but it's more about seeing God move again in our lives and believing and crying out for the Holy Spirit to move again in our lives and our situations and our church and our cities because we believe that He has something for us. It's a series that we pray will stir you to hunger and to believe for God to move again Come on, does anyone want, to see, anyone want to see God move again in their lives, situations, church or, or, or our city? And this series coincides with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we're believing that uh, as we pray and seek God and fast, He's going to move again. We're also going to have some amazing testimonies from people who are going to testify to the things that God has done in their lives, how He moved in their lives. And we're going to have baptisms at the end on February 21st. February is going to be a month of power. Don't want to miss it. Be here every Sunday. I want to encourage you, be here every Sunday. God's going to move again. He's going to move in our church. He's going to move in your lives. It's going to be a fantastic month. This morning, let's pray today and we will get started. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Jesus' name we pray right now. Lord God, we thank you today for your anointing. We thank you today that you are here. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're going to move again in our midst. We want to see you move like you've moved in times before, God. Speak to us through your word. We just pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said? Amen. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Amen. You know, to move again means that God has moved before. To move again means that God has moved before, and we see all throughout history that God has moved. In 1906, in Los Angeles, there was a group of believers, followers of Christ, that came together and made a decision. We're going to meet together and pray to see God move in our midst. And in one of these meetings, these prayer meetings, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and many began to speak in tongues, and word quickly spread amongst believers and unbelievers, and people would come and gather together and got to the point where they couldn't meet in a home anymore and they rented a building on a street called Azusa Street in Los Angeles and they held daily meetings from 9am to midnight. I mean that's a church service, right? That's a church service. We're starting that next Sunday. 
The Holy Spirit moved powerfully. People were healed. There was repenting. People were desiring, God, I want to see you move in my lives, desperately seeking him. It's called the Azusa Street Revival. Go home and Google it. Look it up. And it's one of the uh, several revivals that began the Pentecostal movement, which our church is part of. It's a Pentecostal church. Looking back on it, a Pentecostal historian said this, people of all types, educated, uneducated, rich, poor, African, Americans, Asians, Hispanics, whites, men, women, native-born, recent immigrants, and foreign visitors. Everyone all gathered together. Sounds like Melbourne to me, right? Gathered together, prayed, sang, and came to the altar together. Early photographs showed African Americans, whites, men, and women in all leadership roles. The Azusa Street Revival lasted from 1906 to 1913, and it was a significant revival, not necessarily in terms of how many people gathered, but in terms of how many people were sent out from that place. And there were men and women who, who signed up to be missionaries and went out all through uh, the world taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Pentecostal movement with them. God has moved in the past. God move again. In 1974, uh, a former Methodist minister founded a church in Brisbane, Queensland called Christian Outreach Centre. And with three years, that church had grown to over a thousand people. And by the 80s, it was planting churches throughout Australia. And by the 90s and 2000s, throughout the whole world. And now called International Network of Churches. This church, now a denomination, has thousands of churches throughout the world preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ, believing for the power of God and the Holy Spirit's fire to move. And it's planting churches all beyond, celebrating. Celebrates 50 years as a denomination in July this year. And one of the churches that was planted from this denomination back in the 80s was a church called Sunshine Christian Outreach Center. It was later renamed to Melbourne West Church. Today is called Elevation Church, Melbourne West. God has moved in the past. God, move again. Move again, God. See, at Elevation, we're grateful for the past. We're so thankful for men and women who, like my parents, dads over there, mum serving and kids this morning, but like my parents and so many other men and women, put their hands up to see God move. Thank you, God, for these people. We praise God for what He's done in the past, but we're believing for the future. We're thankful for what God has done, but we're faith-filled for our future and our greatest days as a church, as a community of believers, as a denomination, as a movement are not behind us, but in front of us. Come on, someone say, God, move again. And in 2024, we're believing for God to move again in our hearts, our situations, our church and our city. And for God to move in our hearts, to transform us, to change our minds, our mindsets, to change our attitudes, the way that we speak, the way that we hear things, the way that we interpret things, the, the behaviors that we had. We're praying for God to move in our marriages and in our relationships and our health and finances and our families and careers. We're praying for God to move in our church. 
come on, God, move in our church to grow and see more salvations and baptisms and to expand and get larger. Uh, we're praying for God to move in our city, that we would have influence to help those in need and also to bring God's presence to a nation, to a city that so desperately needs the presence of God in Jesus here. And so as we begin this series and as we're believing for God to move again, how can we position ourselves, our hearts and our lives ready for God to move? See, we have to be ready for God to move so that we don't miss it, so that we can be on board with God, what God is doing. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books that describe the, the birth, the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see that the first chapters, one or two, are usually dedicated to a man called John the Baptist. And the scriptures say that he was a bit of a wild man. He was a, bit of, he was a guy that wore camel hair clothes. I've never worn camel hair clothes, but apparently that must be pretty wild. And he, he would eat from the wild, uh, you know, bees and, and locusts of the, of, the, uh, of the wilderness. And he, he was the cousin of Jesus. And he preached the gospel. He preached the message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was the precursor to Jesus. And he's out in the wilderness and he's baptizing people and doing all these things. And he baptizes in water. And Jesus will come along shortly and he will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. Today, if you believe in Jesus, you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit and with fire. And many people flocked to John to hear him to be preached and to be baptized. And then Jesus comes along and starts his ministry. And many people flock also to Jesus. And they hear the parables and the stories that he told. And they see the way that he healed people and delivered people of demons and from oppression and opened blind eyes and restored limbs and raised people from the dead. And, and, and they see the way that he engaged with the religious leaders and brought revelation that was fresh and new and anointed of God. And he pointed people to the Father. And yet... Jesus in his ministry and all that he brought and all that he taught the people, the majority of the people that heard his message, that saw the miracles that he did, were unmoved. And they were hard-heartened. They saw what he did, heard what he did, but they were unmoved and they were hard-hearted and it accumulates in the rejection of Jesus at the crucifixion on the cross but prior to this, Jesus addresses the people and he speaks to them about this hardness of heart, about how they are unmoved. And he says this in Matthew eleven sixteen. It's kind of like tells a bit of a parable. To what should I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to each other. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a lament, but you didn't mourn. For John did not come eating or drinking, and you say, they said, he has a demon. The son of man came, is referring to himself, eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Ever read some of the things that Jesus said, and you're like, what is Jesus on about here? What is he talking about? What, what's he talking about here? Jesus is highlighting the skepticism and cynicism of the people. The skepticism and the cynicism that the people had in his heart. See, the Proverbs talks about, starts off talking about music. Talks about when the flute is played, the appropriate response would be to dance. 
and then talks about when a lament is sung, the appropriate response is to mourn. And these types of musical songs are at different spectrums of the scale, right? One is, is about joy and dancing. One is about lamenting and mourning. Uh, but they're both a musical style. But here's the thing that Jesus says, they didn't respond in the appropriate manner. When the flute was played, they didn't dance. When the lament was sung, they didn't mourn. And this was not a disconnect between understanding what was meant to be done. This was actually a deliberate refusal on their behalf to respond appropriately. And so he uses that sort of parable to paint a real life uh, picture of what's occurring. And what he says is this. He says that John came bringing a message and you didn't respond to John how you should respond. He then says, I came and I brought a message and you didn't respond to me how you should respond. See, maybe one of us, John, came, was bringing a more austere message, but you downplayed it, you dismissed it, you disparaged what God would say. See, when God was moving through John, you said, he doesn't eat or drink like us. He's not like us. He's wild. He must have a demon. Their hearts were hardened. And then when Jesus came, when God was moving through Jesus, they said things like, he eats and drinks like us. He's a glutton. He's a drunkard. Their hearts were cynical. Their hearts were skeptical about John. And, and we read this 2,000 years later. And it's easy to sit in a place and look at these people and judge them and to say, wow, look at how they miss God and what he was doing at that time and not realize that we can do the exact same thing today, right here, right now in 2024. See, we can be skeptical and cynical when it comes to God moving again. We can be skeptical because it doesn't look like we expect or it's a little bit out of our control or out of our comfort zone. We can be cynical because maybe we've heard these things before. Maybe we've seen a person up the front preaching about God move again before and we didn't see it happen in the past and we're skeptical now or we are cynical now. Here's what I want to say to us this morning. And can I also say I'm speaking to me today. Most of these messages I bring are not just for you, they're also for me. Okay, I'm a work in progress too. Can I just say this right now when it comes to skepticism and cynicism? Let me say this. What matters most is not what happened in the past, but what God is going to do now. Can I encourage us this morning? Can I encourage us this morning? What matters most is not the past, but what God is wanting to do right now. So don't let your heart be distracted from what he's going to do because you're skeptical or cynical based on past experiences. Open up your hearts to be ready to receive when God begins to move again. So how do we prepare our hearts to be sensitive to the move of God? How can we do that today? How can we move past maybe skepticism, maybe cynicism to being in a place where we are ready to say, God, move again. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Here I am. Hearts open, hands open, mind open. Well, I'm glad you asked because one of the most effective and powerful tools we have to ready our hearts is a thing called prayer and fasting. One of the most effective tools, well, I lost the crowd then. One of the most effective tools to make our hearts ready for what God wants to do in our lives is prayer and fasting. See, through prayer and fasting, we prepare our hearts to be ready for a move of God. 
So when God moves, we're not skeptical, we're not cynical, so that when God plays the flute, we dance. When there is a lament, we mourn, we do the appropriate things. And tomorrow we start 21 days of prayer and fasting. And fasting is a long-established spiritual discipline in the Bible of the Christian faith, whereby we deny physical needs, desires, to, to, for a determined set of time to focus on our spiritual needs and our relationship with Jesus Christ and to draw closer to Him. St. Augustine said this, Fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of, I can't even say this word, quenches the fire of lust, kindles the true light of chastity. Fasting does these things in our lives. And so starting tomorrow, February the 5th, continuing through to February the 25th, we are going to fast for 21 days. And we are inviting you, every person in the church, from young to old, from young in their faith to mature in their faith, we are inviting every person to join together in 21 days of prayer and fasting. So what does that look like? Well, there's multiple different ways of fasting. You can do a full food fast. I have done this in the past. Uh, this is difficult. Let's be honest. This is a difficult fast to do. If you decide to do a full food fast, I, I would encourage you to go see your doctor. Make sure there's not going to be any health issues. There's a full food fast, liquid fast, uh, liquid food only. Then there is the meal food fast. This is where you say, I'm going to fast certain meals a day. So you might say, okay, I'm not going to do lunch, or I'm not going to do dinner, or I'm not going to do breakfast. These, these types of fasts. You can say, uh, you can do a Daniel fast, which is a specific food groups fast. You might say, I'm not going to eat protein or I'm not going to eat dairy or, or all these different types of things. You could choose to fast those. You can fast social media. You can fast coffee. You can, you, you can do all these types of things. So these are the different things that you can fast. And then there is also the period of time that you choose. So you can choose to do the whole 21 days. You can choose to do every second day. Uh, you can choose to uh, um, uh, choose a day of the week to fast. You know, depending on how spiritual you are. You, no, 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 I'm not joking. No, I'm, not, I'm joking. See, we're not too legalistic about what you choose to fast and how often you choose to fast. We're not legalistic about that. We don't get caught up on that. What we do want, though, is we want you to be involved. We want you to choose something today to be involved with what we're doing. However, it does have to be a means of denying yourself. It does have to be a sacrifice. It does have to be a habit that you do regularly. I could say that I've chosen to fast cigarettes, but I don't smoke. So that would be no denying of the flesh. That would be no sacrifice for me, right? Choose something that is a sacrifice for you. We've got some resources available at elevationchurch.com.au forward slash prayer and fasting. Go there. You can also go into our socials, Elevation Church Malb West, and there will be some information there. Go into our bio. You can find some reading plans there and do that. I want to I finish this morning with just some two quick thoughts about fasting, if the keys could come. My first thought about fasting is this. Number one, physical hunger leads to spiritual hunger. To the person next to you say, physical hunger leads to spiritual hunger. Here's what's important to know. Fasting is not dieting. Okay? Fasting is not about losing weight. It's not about trying to look better to fit in the clothes that used to fit you that don't fit you anymore. Okay? Fasting is not 
is not, is, is not dieting. Rather, fasting is denying ourselves of something that we need or desire, food, entertainment, pleasure, so that we might strengthen our need and desire for Jesus. So I'll be doing some form of Daniel fast over this next 21 days, and I'll be hungry. I'll be honest with you this morning. I'll be hungry. I like to eat. I like food, right? And, but when I had that physical hunger, it leads to a spiritual hunger for me to draw closer to Jesus, for me to draw closer to God. See, this denial, this physical hunger leads to a, leads to a spiritual hunger. And on Thursday night, I, I caught up with a friend. I went out with dinner with uh, this person and we, we went to a restaurant near my house and it wasn't a fancy restaurant, but it's delicious food. It's like a Greek Greek restaurant there. So we had euros and saganaki and, and all those different types of things, spicy sausage and uh, the food was delicious. And during the day, I made the decision not to eat too much so that I wouldn't ruin my appetite for the evening. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Has anyone ever done that before, right? You're going out for dinner, I'll save my appetite. And, and it's not because there's no food in the house, like there's plenty of food in the pantry. And I work from home five days a week, so, you know, I can go to that pantry at any time and pull out the chips or the chocolates or bread or whatever, all types of things. But I chose to not partake of those little pleasures. And in our lives, the pleasures of life, it's luxuries, it's entertainment, all these things, things that, that might be sinful, things that might not be sinful, these things can stifle our spiritual hunger. As we partake of these things, as we, as we do these things, but when we set these things aside while fasting, we redirect our desires towards Jesus. Because I'm not eating when I get hungry, because we're not eating, when we get hungry, we pray to Jesus and we redirect our desires for food, for a desire for Jesus. And we say, Jesus, you fill me. Would you fill my appetite this morning, today, this evening? Because we're not watching Netflix or because we're not on social media, instead we open our Bibles. And, and, and so that instead of doing those things, our desire for entertainment is redirected for a desire for God's Word. Because we're not drinking coffee, the money that we spend on a coffee every day, I don't know what your coffee addiction is. I don't know, one coffee, two, three, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen, twenty dollar a day habit, I don't know. That money we can set aside. We can use it to give to those in need. See, God, through this fasting, our, our desires for wealth and financial security can be redirected to a desire to be generous and kingdom-minded. Psalm 63, 1, O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You. It is in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise You with the songs of joy. And David, when he writes this psalm, he's not being figurative here. He's being literal. He's been hunted by King Saul. He is in a place where he is physically hungry, physically thirsty, and yet his desires not to be not to be satisfied by a great feast, but to be satisfied by the food, the living bread, the living water that Christ brings to us. So the first thing in prayer and fasting is that physical hunger leads to spiritual hunger. And then the second thing is this spiritual hunger leads to supernatural power. Supernatural power. Prayer and fasting increases 
our capacity for and to see the power of God move and the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. It's not that prayer and fasting means that God has changed and that He speaks louder. No, I believe God is always speaking to us. I believe the Holy Spirit is always talking to us, but we don't always hear Him because of the distractions that we have around our lives. But during prayer and fasting, our hearts and our minds tune in or plug in more effectively to the spiritual power, to the move of God that He wants to do in our lives at that time. And in Mark, and Pastor Miles already sort of mentioned it, but the disciples are praying for a young boy and he has a a demon and he would cast himself into the fire and harm himself and they're trying to uh, pray and to have this demon removed and they can't do it. And Jesus comes along, prays, the demon is removed, the young boy is set free and the disciples ask him, how come we weren't able to do it, Jesus? And in Mark 9, 29, Jesus says, I told you, he told them, this kind could come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Time and time and again in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, believers are able to see and do extraordinary things because of prayer and fasting that they are undertaking at that time. And I'm believing that in the month of February, during our prayer and fasting, we're going to see God move again in our midst. We're going to see Him move in the Holy Spirit's supernatural power for physical healing, emotional healing, personal transformation and holiness. We're going to see God's power move and His spiritual power for deliverance from the power of the evil one, for the breakthrough in situations and circumstances, for salvation in our friends and families. Spiritual hunger leads to supernatural power. And we're believing for God to move again. Is anyone believing? Is anyone believing? Maybe today you're a new Christian. Maybe, maybe you're not even a believer. You don't even know what, what, what's this God move again. Well, I've never even seen Him move. Well, we're going to believe for God right now that you would meet Him. In a moment, I'll give an invitation to invite Jesus into your life, for Him to move powerfully in your life. But we're also believing for Christians who have been around for a while and have seen move God move before, that God would move again. And I want to ask you, during this month of February, God move again. God move again. Personalize this. God move again. As a church, collectively, we're praying and believing for this. But I want you to personalize this. How are you wanting God to move again in your life? God to move again in your situation. God to move again in your heart. God to move again in your suburb where you live. How are you believing? How are you seeking Him through this month? See, God is going to move again. Scriptures say in the last days, He'll pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And we want Him to see Him do that. God, we want to see You move. Holy Spirit, we want to see You move. And also, I want to encourage us, prayer and fasting. Three Wednesdays through this prayer period. Fasting, 21 days. If you've never fasted before, join us. If you've fasted before, join us. Be believing and seeking God. God, move again. Let's pray this morning. God, we just thank You today that we have seen You move before. We want to see You move again.